You're listening to COSAM Talks, the monthly podcast for Auburn University's College of Sciences and Mathematics. Thank you for joining us for COSAM Talks for the month of September 2020. Our guest today is Stephen Kasperic. He's a student in the pre-professional master's program in the Department of Biological Sciences. How are you today, Stephen? I'm doing well, Philip. How are you? I'm doing great. So to start off with, uh, I just wanted to ask you a little bit about yourself and about how you wound up here at Auburn. So I started as a master's student here at Auburn in August of 2018. And, you know, after having lived in a number of different places, New York City, Chicago, Detroit, where I'm originally from, um, especially living in big cities, I kind of kind of didn't know it at the time, but I had built up kind of walls to protect myself just mm-hmm. from other people, just from being taken advantage of, you know, that kind of comes along with city life, I suppose. But so after I got here to Auburn in August 2018, really, I didn't even know I had those walls until like below the level of my consciousness the friendliness the warmth just how welcome I felt here at Auburn it, I felt those walls come down I, I didn't even know they were there in the first place but it was that Auburn family it was the fact that that's a real thing that, that's right. not just a marketing slogan because I felt that ever since I, I, I stepped foot here um, and I think that appreciation, that gratitude to be a student here, that has really fueled my journey and fueled the, the things I've been able to, able to accomplish, including what we're about to discuss here today, Philip. Yeah, that's that's awesome. Uh, the Auburn family, it, it really is. I mean, I know that they they put that out there as a marketing slogan and 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 all that, but it's like... It's like even jokes you see about people. They'll say some people are a fan of this team, but Auburn fans are a fan of Auburn or Auburn fans. You know, they're they're not. It's not just a sports related thing or even an academic related thing. It's it's absolutely a family. Yeah, that I I totally agree with you. And it honestly, had I not felt what I felt and just. Just for example, talking to people, random random students of mine that I, I run into on campus, and just the fact that people were so friendly, so open to my not being from here, helping me just, you know, by maybe suggesting where to go for lunch or something mm-hmm. like that. that. That's something that, believe it or not, at least in my experience, I haven't really found in a lot of places. Right. So. And, and that's really the, just the tip of the iceberg, uh, Philip. So, I, and as as we were kind of discussing earlier, I, I, ever since I I got here, I I noticed. So if you look on on the periodic table for AU, you'll you'll find it as the atomic symbol of gold. And really, since day one, just knowing that Auburn is equivalent to gold for me. I mean that's <laughs> that's just I guess encapsulated my whole experience here. Right, right. 
and and like I told you before the podcast, we did have a marketing, uh, a whole marketing slogan around that back a few years ago with the periodic symbol for AU. AU is gold. You know, that's that's what we did. So you said that you didn't realize that until you got here. Was there something that attracted you to Auburn or or specifically to this uh, pre-professional master's program? At the time that I first learned of of the pre-professional master's program, I was living about an hour south of Atlanta, and I, I had a position at the time where I was doing a bit of traveling throughout the southeast. I knew that that position, that line of work really didn't represent my future and and what I I feel my purpose is in in life. And so I knew I needed to make myself competitive for medical school and eventually become a physician. Mm -hmm. You know, after a medical education and residency, that was simply my purpose. As I researched master's programs, Auburn's pre-professional program was the first program I found. And immediately, all of the advantages, all of the institutional advantages afforded students in this program. And I, I felt those right there set it apart. It, Auburn's pre-professional program simply was in a league of its own. I had applied to Auburn along with a number of other programs, you know, of course, just in case, but I was holding my breath that I would be given the chance to be a student here. I just felt so lucky it worked out such that I'm, I'm here now. Right, right. And we're glad you're here. Thank you, <laughs> Philip. <laughs> so while you've been working on your degree, you've also been doing some research into other topics, including suicide. What was it that made you decide that this was something you wanted to do? If you remember in, in, in the summer 2018, so right before I got here, that was a summer where you had you know, the lead singer of Linkin Park. Mm. You had Kate Spade, Anthony Bourdain. I think the lead singer of Audio Slave as well. It was just a, a summer where there were a number of celebrity suicides. I remember when I heard heard about these, and I, in fact, I remember exactly where I was when I heard about Kate Spade's situation. I was uh, in my parents' house talking to my mom in the kitchen. We were get getting getting dinner ready, and it I was it made no sense to me this was happening, um, and and there were just a number of notable examples of that. So I, I really that's that's when the gears started to turn as far as what what is what is going on what what's driving this right knowing just how valuable and how important it is I spend my time as wisely as possible here at Auburn because I know I'm not going to be a student here forever this window will close there's almost a good form of pressure to make the most of it and outside the classroom I've really leveraged the things that I'm interested in anyways the things that I would be learning about regardless and I found an excellent platform just in in 
reaching out to Dr. Pewter at the he's the psychiatrist who is the the host of the Psychiatry and Psychotherapy podcast series, reaching out to him, establishing a really, really strong rapport. I found an outlet to plug in a lot of what I had been learning about outside the classroom, and it it turned into an episode uh, that we recorded earlier this summer in, in, in May, in fact. Yeah, I actually listened to that uh, that episode earlier and uh, to prepare for this. I mean, mm. but uh, it, it was a lot of a lot of interesting uh, studies and data and and some really good points in that too. Uh, one was he he kind of went over because he had done two podcasts before that, and so there were some of the statistics that he mentioned and like with suicide being the 10th most common death for adults and that it's the second leading cause of death for people between 15 and 35. And uh, are, are there any of these other statistics that he talked about or any that you found that that uh, you just find are very important? You know, there there are – there's honestly a list, a long list – probably more than unfortunately we have time to discuss here in doing the background research and and really examining the literature seeing the published research the data what what it's telling telling us as far as why this is happening there's there are just a number of really interesting pieces of data for example Suicide being a much more serious issue in rural areas. In fact, uh, CDC and, and census data tell us with increasing rurality, there is a corresponding increase in suicide rate relative to large mel- or just metropolitan areas, period. Auburn, is it? an institution with a rich agricultural heritage. We're in a rural area, and I think that that's particularly relevant right there. As far as the episode I recorded with Dr. Pewter, what really connected with me on a personal level and also had very compelling data was, it was actually two topics, two two concepts. Uh, the first of which is referred to as locus of control. Right. And so, essentially, that's a spectrum where on one end you have an internal locus. And so if one scores, if, if a person has high scores on this spectrum, they're considered to have more of an internal locus. What that means is that person believes their life, their situation, their outcomes are a direct result of that person's effort ability that person made it happen essentially and then on the other end of the of the locus of control would be an external locus so lower scores that would be a person who feels their circumstances in life are essentially divorced from their own effort they 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 don't have much responsibility for their circumstances right so so a person with a lower 
a locus of control or a lower locus would be one that believes that no matter what they do, they can't change anything about their life, basically. That's, that's correct. And so the second concept that really connected with me was meaning in life. And so locus of control and meaning in life are associated with each other in the literature with really strong data. So specifically, an internal locus of control, a person who believes their life, the outcomes that happen to them, they cause those, that is associated with a higher level of meaning in life. So a person who, ha- who feels they have agency is able to find more meaning in life than someone who may feel as though life may be more dictated to them. Right. Uh, and that right there corresponds with when you have more of an internal locus, more meaning in life, lower suicide risk. On the other hand, more of an external locus, less meaning in life, that comes with it a greater risk for suicide. And just just thinking about that, it, it makes sense that if you're somebody who doesn't feel like you have a purpose and you don't feel like you can do anything to change that, then it's, it's like one of the things that was mentioned in that podcast about hope also being uh, corresponding to that. It's like if you... If you don't feel like you have a purpose and you don't feel like you can do anything to change it, then you don't, I wouldn't, I would imagine you wouldn't have very much hope. I completely agree with you. And I think it might help to just provide a little, a a little detail here as far as what such an abstract concept, like meaning, what that actually is and how a person finds it. It, You know, it's, it's not like just going to the grocery store and, you know, getting, Uh, some Brussels sprouts (laughs) or whatever it is. But basically, Viktor Frankl, he was a Holocaust survivor, extremely influential psychologist. He characterized meaning in life as a person's unique significance, essentially a person's reason for being alive. From Dr. Frankl's own experience in surviving the Holocaust, he was able to characterize what, what exactly meaning in life is. And he realized it is, in fact, a person's feeling of, of their purpose. And a person can find meaning through a number of ways. Uh, in, in Dr. Frankel's life, he learned a person can actually find meaning by experiencing some serious adversity, difficult situations. But a person can also find meaning in their life by enriching their life with their creative pursuits, productivity, essentially pursuing their interests, what what really that person is passionate about. And that, for me, was one of a number of areas where I felt this concept is personally relevant for me because in being a student here at Auburn, in having the opportunity and the time to research suicide and try to understand what is driving this increase and all the way back to summer 2018, this has given me meaning. It's just that connection. I can't help but just kind of smile to myself and just realize how, at least for me, it just, it makes sense. Yeah, I know uh, just talking about meaning and how you find your meaning or your purpose for life. I know people that 
maybe like a video game streamer on Twitch, but then they'll have somebody come to them or leave them a comment saying, you know, watching you just either makes my day brighter or, or watching you helps me feel like somebody out there cares about me. And, and then that in turn gives that person meaning because even though they might just be streaming them playing a video game by doing that and helping others, they feel like they're doing something more than just playing a video game. Yeah, absolutely. And so it can, it's, it can come from a number of different sources sources. It's not just like my meaning in life is being a brain surgeon because I keep people from, you know, I help people recover from cancer or, you know, it doesn't have to be something grand. So I think what's really crucial for meaning, which with COVID-19 and quarantine, Mm -hmm. I think that what's been going on as far as the social isolation is, is very relevant here because I think that has the potential to reduce the meaning a person may have in their life. Right. Just because that isolation, the feeling of connection, of being a part of something, in my experience, it, it's decreased a bit. Not being able to be in the classroom, mm-hmm. doing everything virtually, that connection, I think, suffered a bit just as a result of being cautious and COVID-19 taking all the necessary precautions, but I think I think that this has become just that much more of a significant issue I feel people should be aware of. Right. Have you experienced any any of the loss of connection or I I hope I'm not the only one. I oh, just no, you know. No. Okay. I, I uh personally don't feel like I've been quite as quarantined as a lot of people because I've still had the during this time, I've still had the ability to to occasionally come into the office because our offices are segregated. We're we're not in one big room with a bunch of people, so I have my own office, so I can still come in and do do stuff from work. Um, and then we've of course been getting out in town that little bit, and we still occasionally see some family members. So I, I feel like I haven't been quite as quarantined as other people, but just even the little bit of time that we have been at home and I'll also say I'm typically I'm not the type of person that really feels like I have to be around other people I'm usually completely fine I'm completely fine spending two or three days at home by myself I can go out in the backyard and do stuff I can go I can sit there and watch YouTube and I'm happy but even being that type of person during that time I, I did have two straight weeks where I tried to work from home and pretty much did not leave the house and during that time it was like I, I just felt like I needed to see somebody I needed to get out I needed to do something you know it's like I've all of a sudden even though you're still virtually connected you feel like you're not connected anymore and so I can imagine how people who are really being quarantined and especially people who already have trouble with with those feelings it just it could just make it so much worse it's been a challenging time in those regards and i've heard other people even talking about this same this same thing of these feelings of being lonely and being 
uh, not even along the lines of not having a purpose, but even if you still you still have that good purpose and you still have that 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 thought, and, and this may play more into that uh, the factor of the locus of control. Is you feel like now I'm being quarantined at home, now I don't have as much control as I used to, now I can't change my outcomes as much because they're telling me I have to stay home. That makes a lot of sense to me. I know as soon as RBD was allowing grad students in during the week, Monday to Friday, I was one of the first people in there just because I wanted to, I, I wanted to feel more of a part of the community again. And I don't want to sound like unhinged, like, right. man, like I'm in isolation. <laughs> I'm not feeling, but uh, no, it's, it's, it, it's been, it's been tough. And I'm just, I'm, I'm really looking forward to things more or less coming back to normal right. in, in the fall. Right. I, I know a lot of people would say that won't or shouldn't happen, but man, the, the locus of control, no, knowing what I do in a classroom, I just feel so much more accountable and so much more energized and motivated. Like the motivation was like, it was just a tougher slog staying, staying at home and doing virtual learning. I think being around people it's that i guess i just felt more energized right and um, there i believe there is something to that to getting a type of energy from other people because yeah. you can even see it with a negative energy if you're around somebody who's just in a bad mood before you know it you're in a bad mood and if you're around people that are just you can be in a bad mood and you go around somebody that's just happy and they're just after you get past the point of of you know wanting to slap them for being too happy right that you start to feel happier and you, you feed off of their moods and so b- doing Absolutely. things virtually uh, you you don't get that in-person react uh, that in-person uh it's like an arousal almost exactly. it's like there's it and that's you know, there, there's a, a famous another psychologist i believe uh i think dr i think but essentially there are personality types where introverts tend to have a, a bit too much arousal, a bit too much energy around people, uh, and then extroverts really need to be around other people to feel energized. Right. I, I think, honestly, I can absolutely relate to you as far as preferring alone time. I definitely treasure that, but for me at least, and for perhaps other, other people as well, Got to kind of have that balance as far as mixing in time with other people to broaden one's perspective. Right. right. I mean, even if you do enjoy, you can be perfectly fine by yourself or you think you can be perfectly fine by yourself. You'll find that there's still there's still a need for being around other people. Absolutely. So getting back to talking about uh, suicide, uh, the second statistic that I mentioned uh, was that it's the second leading cause of death for people between the ages of 15 and 34, and that's a huge thing. So if someone out there is feeling like they just they don't have any control over the things that are happening to them, or they're feeling like, like they just have no purpose in life and no hope, uh, what are what are some things that you would recommend that they should do? So bringing it back to Viktor Frankl, he really asserted that a person's hope for the future 
as being crucial in one's search for meaning as they experience life. Just the fact that believing the future to hold potentially better circumstances to be an improvement upon the past, that is a very potent source of meaning and source of hope a person can can turn to. So I believe really drawing one's focus toward the future and really believing in the prospect of improving one's circumstances, I believe that would be an excellent way of addressing present negativity or dissatisfaction. Thank you for being here with us today. Thank you for the opportunity. I, I really enjoyed speaking with you, Philip. Yeah, it's it's been great. And uh, if you do happen to be listening to this podcast and you are feeling hopeless and and all that, we will have some resources for you down below. Um, definitely uh, do not believe that you are in this alone. We as humans are made to interact with each other, so don't stay to yourself. Uh, talk to someone about it. Check out the links posted below. And thank you for listening.